join us now in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. This is a weekly podcast and so glad that you found us. And I hope that you'll leave a review of what you enjoy about the podcast online for others to discover us as well. If you say nice things. Oh, of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't they say nice things? Well, people say <laughs> All right, let's move on already. Yes. yes. Uh, in the commentary yes. section today, we're going to return to your teaching recorded at the Hesed Conference mm-hmm. in Ohio. Uh, give us a little preview of what's ahead in the next few minutes. Well, you know, the other side of Hesed, if God is a God of kindness, then what you have to do is look at the world and see, you know, the, there's this equation doesn't really seem to add up. It doesn't make or, sense sometimes, Right, does and it? Job, of course, is the classic book. But, you know, there, in each one of our lives, we have examples, uh, and we'll hear uh, some examples from my, my, my sister's experience especially, and we'll hear some people in the audience responding with their own experience. Mm-hmm. So that has to be dealt with. If God is a God of kindness, then... Yeah. And you encourage that interaction with the audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the God and the Word of God can stand up to any honest scrutiny. And I think what you find is that there is a very good answer to the problem of suffering in the Bible. Speaking of suffering, we're going to talk with Wes King... Yeah. who is cancer-free now, but really went through it, didn't he? He almost died five times. Mm. And, uh, and and very much you know fits into our discussion. I mean, here's someone like Job, who's a righteous man, and all of a sudden, all these horrible things, a series of horrible things happens to him. And Wes went through something very much like that. It wasn't just the cancer. Then he had other health issues. And, and, um, and I think it's going to be great to hear Wes on the other side of mm-hmm. that suffering yeah seeing what he's learned yeah. from it. He's going to visit with us and sing for us yes. in the second half of yeah. the program today. We encourage listeners' response. Here's a, a, an email that came in. My time under your teaching this past weekend has given me new insight into reading the Gospels, a new passion to do so. Hmm. I need the Lord to bring that quiet to my mind so I can listen and maybe even hear. On my own, I keep chattering in my thoughts and speech, and I love the thought of just being tuned into his presence, hmm. perhaps just spending time with him in companionable silence. He gives me the desire to lose myself in finding thee, wow. a desire I wish I knew more often. Wow. Well, we were just talking about this in the control room, the idea that we, the, the podcast is where it begins, right? When this, when you shut this off, then you go to the Word and, yes, yes, and yes. read big blocks of Scripture and that sort of thing. So that sounds like a person who've, who's had that experience. We're going to go to your teaching in a moment from the Hesed Conference. But before that, we're going to ask you to sing a song, which is probably the most Loved, most well-played song ever from Michael Card, I think. Probably. El Shaddai. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Elyonah. To age, you're still the same by the power of the name El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Erechim Kana Adonai. We will praise and lift you high, El Shaddai. Through your love and through the ram. You save the son of Abraham And by the power of your hand Turn the sea into dry land And to the outcast on her knees You were the God who really sees And by your might You set your children free Shaddai, El Elyonah Adonai, age to age you're still the same, by the power of the name, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Erechim Kana Adonai, we will praise and lift you. time of Christ was near, though the people could not see, 
what Messiah ought to be. Though your word contained the plan, they just could not understand. Your most awesome work was done. Through the frailty of your son, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Elyonah Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same. By the power of a name, El Shaddai. If God is a God of Hesed, then why did my sister lose two babies? She's not a bad person. If God is a God of Hesed, why did Job, why does a wind come and blow from four different directions at the same time and collapse the house and kill all of his children? That's, that's the problem. That's the problem. Sometimes the world doesn't, I mean, can we be honest enough? I mean... Sometimes it just doesn't seem to bear up that he is a God of Hesed. So we're going to look, we're going to look at, that, at, that, uh, at that problem. And uh, I've got a couple of ideas. Um, I'm not going to answer the question. You know, the, the, we, in, in theology, we call this the theodicy question. There's your big word for the day. Why use a little word that everyone can understand when you can use a big word that no one understands? T-H-E-O-D-I-C-Y. Theodicy. The theodicy is, is the question, if God is a good God, then why is there evil in the world? That's the question. And the biblical answer to that question is, don't ask that question. Right. That's the biblical right. answer. And uh, Job is one of the best examples, right? Job, all these horrible things happen to Job. And in, in the prologue of the book, God says he's righteous. I mean, God says Job is righteous. He declares him righteous. And then all these horrible things happen. And then Job's friends show up and they sit with him for a week. God bless them. And they don't say anything. It's when they start talking that it all kind of goes sideways. And they're, they're basically fighting that whole theodicy question. And what is their conclusion? Their conclusion is, Job, you must have done something wrong. Right? And, uh, uh, one of them, Zohar says, uh, your children got what they deserved, which implies that his, his children had done something wrong. And it's retributive justice. It's a basic idea. You know, my, my wife, when she was a, a little kid riding her tricycle, if she fell off her tricycle, she would ask God, what did I do wrong to deserve that? So that's, that's what we're going to look at uh, briefly. And I'm not going to answer the question, but I'm going to give you some, some things that uh, maybe will help you. The first idea is, is very simple, and it's this. The Bible is taking us somewhere. The Bible is taking us somewhere. It's taking us from Genesis 1 to Revelation, let's say, 21. I know that's not all the way to the end, but it's taking us from Job 1 to Job, let's say, 42. It's taking us from Psalm 1 to Psalm 150. I know sometimes we don't feel like the Bible has taken us any place, but... Uh, but it is. All of these passages begin with what I call, or well, what someone a lot smarter than me calls, <laughs> Walter Brueggemann, Torah obedience. And the Torah obedience is a, is a basic formula. If you're, oh, I'll put it down here. If you're obedient, I will bless you. If you're disobedient, I will bless you. We'll punish you. Let's don't say curse. Punish you. Okay? And that's the Torah. Correct? That's what the Torah says. And the Torah is a good thing. God wouldn't give us something that, in fact, is perfect because God gave it to us. So this is not wrong. This is not wrong. But what happens in, not just Job, I mean, Job is obedient, but it seems like he's being punished. 
If you look at like Psalm 73, which is one of the best Psalms to see this, uh, this con, or Habakkuk d- deals with this. But in Psalm 73, um, you know, the, the disobedient people are being blessed and the obedient people are being punished. And the psalmist is saying, you know, God, what is up? What's up with this? If you're a God of Hesed, if you're a God of Hesed, then why do good people suffer? Um, and my first answer is the Bible's taking us someplace. That's the first thing you got to understand. When my, when my uh, daughter, I've got four kids. My oldest daughter is Katie. When she was little, I would say, honey, you clean up your room. I'm going to give you some M&Ms. But if you don't clean up your room, I'm going to whack you. That's Torah, right? If you're obedient, I'm going to bless you. If you're disobedient, I'm going to punish you. Now, I suggest to you, she's 33 now. When she comes to my house, what would it be like if I said, oh, honey, it's so nice that you're here. If you're a good girl, daddy's going to give you some M&Ms. If you're bad, daddy's going to spank. That would be sort of sick, wouldn't it? (laughs) Why would that be sick? Because we're going someplace. Our relationship is going someplace. And she knows me as more than just the M&M man. Okay? The Bible is taking us someplace. God is more than the M&M man. And a lot of people get stuck there. They get stuck. They they don't understand that we're going someplace. And uh, we we all begin with Torah obedience. But we're, and this is clear, the Bible is taking us to a place where, uh, to intimacy with God. It's intimacy that he describes, and he uses the terms of marriage. I mean, God loves you so much, he wants to be married to you. I mean, come on. So, intimacy. And you see this, uh, Job 1, okay? Job is a man of Torah obedience. He offers sacrifices for sins his children might commit. And it worked worked for him really well until chapter 2. And what happens in chapter 2 is Job begins this journey. And so by the end in Job 42, 42, 43, what happens? God shows up and... um, there's, he, 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 he meets God. There's, you know, there's intimacy with God. Some, someone has said the miracle of the book of Job is the movement of God. In chapter 1, he's on the throne in heaven. In chapter 42, he's with Job. The miracle of the book of Job is the movement of God. Now, when God shows up, Job, Job and his friends, mostly Job, they've been asking questions this whole time. When God shows up, does he answer a single question? No, he asks questions that are way harder than any of their questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Huh? And Job says, you know what? I'm just going to put my hand over my mouth. I said things I shouldn't have said. Not that they didn't need to be said because they're part of Holy Scripture. But the, the point is, Job from, from the first to the end of Job represents movement. The Bible is taking us somewhere. From Torah obedience, that's just where we start, to intimacy with God. And knowing who God is and walking with God. Uh, the, the deepest desire, I'm not, ra- I'm, I'm not dogmatic about very much. I'm, I'll be dogmatic about this. The deepest desire of God is to walk with you. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. If you ask a Christian audience this day, you know, what is it God wants? I think that's a really good question. People don't ask that question very often. What does he want? Okay. What was the garden all about? He wants to be with Adam and Eve, wants to walk with them. Okay? What's the law for? Leviticus 26, 12, the reward for keeping the law is I'll walk with you and be your God and you'll be my people. The purpose of the law is to fulfill God's desire to be with us. That's what he wants. That's what the tabernacle was for. What's the tabernacle? It's a tent for God. Same thing with the temple. The temple is a place where God's presence is with his people. Incarnation, God comes to us. He doesn't drop a book from the sky with the answers in it. He comes to us in the incarnation of Jesus. And what's his name? What's his incarnation name? Emmanuel, God with us. The deepest desire of God is to be with us. Okay? Deepest desire it explains the Holy Spirit, or at least it helps us understand the Holy Spirit. And in the climax in Revelation 21, 
John hears a loud voice from the throne room. Remember, there's this scroll that nobody can open, and John starts crying, and one of the elders jabs him and says, stop crying. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he looks up expecting to see a lion. What does he see? A lamb. And how does he know who that lamb is? It's wounded, so he knows it's Jesus. And it, he hears, hears a loud voice from the throne that says, at last the dwelling of God is with men and women, and he will live with them. He will be with them. They will be, he will be their God and they will be his people and he will wipe away every tear. That's 21. So we go from Torah obedience to God wiping our tears away. I mean, is this, is this a fairly, I mean, this is not, no, nobody can say that's a dumb idea. That's not in the Bible. This is basically the, the, where the Bible is taking us. Uh, similar in the Psalms. What's Psalm 1? Psalm 1 is a psalm that blesses people who keep the law. Uh, Psalm 150 is a celebration of intimacy with God. So the Psalter is, is taking us on this journey too. But the big question is, what is, what's the central section of this journey? And the central section of this journey is wilderness. The wilderness is where God definitively does his thing. The wilderness is where God establishes us as his sons and daughters. Out of Egypt, I have called my Son, The sonship of Israel was established in the wilderness. That's what God is doing. And that's, this, that's where this is going. And this is all because of his hesed. He gives us the law because of his hesed. He calls us into the wilderness. When, when we're hungry, what happens? Manna. When we're thirsty, what happens? Water. Living water. Shoes never wear out. Yeah. Was that a question? Yes. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's, it's all those things. Um, some of you, I mean, some of you have maybe have been in the wilderness for some time. Depression is wilderness. That's something I struggle with, to be real honest with you. It's a wilderness. Uh, some, for some people, it's sickness. But for some people, it is a physical place. But, um, but what else does God say? Let my people go so that they can worship me in the Wilderness. Wilderness is where we learn to worship. Uh, wh the word worship is worth-ship. To worship God is to celebrate his worth. And we learn his worth in the wilderness. And this is all under the category of hesed. So uh, again, this is, I'm not gonna put this, I'm not gonna answer this question definitively. I'm not gonna put, you know, put, put that away. But I'm, I'm telling you, it, because he is a God of Hesed, there is, there is purpose and intentionality in all of this. He uses our suffering. He uses our brokenness and our fallenness uh, because he is a God of Hesed. Uh, it doesn't explain away why my sister's two babies died. But I can, I can say God used all that stuff. This is the stuff he uses. God uses suffering to save the world. Correct? We're all Christians. God uses suffering to save the world. So, um, and sometimes, and this is another thing you learn in the wilderness, sometimes the most precious thing you have to offer in worship is the thing that hurts you the most. Job offers up his confusion as an act of worship. Um, we're going to see in Psalm 109, David offers up his anger. And it's pretty intense anger. Because uh, he, he David's in, in sort of a, a wilderness place. Write this down. Because he is a God of Hesed, he doesn't give us the answer. He gives us himself. When the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything, he gives me himself. We think that we need the answer. You don't need the answer. You need him. And he's always faithful. And because he is a God of Hesed, he doesn't give us the answers. He gives us himself. And also because he's a God of Hesed, anything you need to say to God, you can say to God. Never. One time he says it to some uh, Philistines. Otherwise, in the Bible, he never says, how dare you speak to me that way? How dare you speak to me that God does not say that to his children. And this is also lament, Right. What is Jesus doing in, 
in the moment in his life when he's most being used by God, he's lamenting. Why have you forsaken me? That's the moment in his life when he's most being used by God. And he's going, uh, even Jesus, you know, goes into the wilderness. God uses the wilderness in his, in his life. That's, that's in a nutshell um, the, the problem of Hesed. And the problem doesn't go away, but I think as we understand the nature of God, whose deepest desire is to be with us, we can live with the, with the disconnect, I guess. Live better with it. Any, any questions? Does this bother you? Yeah. Um, and it's fine as people who have studied scripture to say, yes, there's a reason. Do you find any way to help people move from that infancy to an intimacy with, with a very infant relationship or, or no relationship? Well, I, I, I mean, I've got to think the, the answer is found in Christ, in the life of Christ, who, who's the man of suffering, who engages, who redemptively engages with the suffering of the world, weeps you know, weeps and does all those sorts of things. I think he's the only person that brings any meaning to this, you know, and I, and I do. I think it's an important thing to say, God uses suffering to save the world. You don't say that to someone who's dying of cancer on the hospice. Right, because once again, uh, we think we need answers. We don't need answers. Uh, we need his presence. Um, I had a friend um, in Knoxville, Tennessee, who, he's a pastor who was blindsided by a, a drunk driver and was paralyzed from the neck down. And he was in, 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 uh, in the hospital and he knows his lament psalms and he's given God, you know, you know, where were you, you know, when I need you, I mean, this is from the psalms, when I needed you the most, that's when you were the farthest from helping me. That's what the psalms say. Okay? If, you, if you don't have the language to, to complain to God, the Bible will give it to you. Okay? Just read the Psalms. And, and you don't read those Psalms and say, oh, that's not for me. It's part of God's holy word. Right? So we don't throw that away. Uh, but anyway, so he's, he's complaining, complaining, complaining. And he senses someone, someone came in the room. He thought it was the nurse because it was a very real presence. Well, it's, I mean, this is crazy. It sounds crazy. It's Jesus. So he's asking, he, he can't look, lift his head up. He's facing the floor at this point. And he asks for water and he's, you know, who is it? And, and he's a Presbyterian too. So this doesn't happen often to Presbyterians. Uh, <laughs> but he says, he realized it was Jesus. And he said, I don't know if it was five minutes or five hours because when you get close to God, time sort of thins out. You know what, eternity, heaven is no time. Time goes away. Won't that be great? No more time. Heaven isn't time on and on and on and on. Heaven's no time. I'm looking forward to that. So he said there was this period of time, didn't know it was five minutes, five hours, but he understood he was in the presence of Jesus. And in response to his lamenting and complaining, he experienced the presence of Jesus. He said after a period of time, he sensed the immediacy. Of course, Jesus is always present. He, he sensed the immediacy of that presence leaving. He said, and boy, then I started to lament. He starts weeping and he said, I heard myself scream. Uh, you, can, you can leave me paralyzed. Just don't leave me. And this is what my, my friend learned. He said, I need his presence more than I need his provision. I need his presence more than I need his provision. Now we need his provision. Your next breath is his provision. The next beating of your heart is his, you know, he can take that away and you drop like a hammer, right? So it's all, you know, he gives us his provision. But I think what this and what Hesed teaches us is we don't need answers, we need him. And because he's a God of Hesed, his deepest desire is to be with us. His deepest desire is to give us himself as the answer, and that's incarnation. And that's Holy Spirit. It's just a different way of understanding the, who, who Jesus is. As we wander through the years, we're told to listen to a voice 
we can't hear with our ears. They say to live by something that you can't see with your eyes. Is there really any purpose to this foolish exercise? Could it be you make your presence known so often by your absence? Could it be the questions tell us more? ever do Could it be that you would really rather die than live without us Could it be the only answer that means anything is you In our words and in our silence In our pride and in our shame to the genius and the scholar To the foolish and insane To the ones who care to seek you And to the ones who never will You are the only answer even still Could it be you make your presence known So often by your more than answers ever do. Could it be that you would really rather die than live without us? Could it be the only answer that means anything is you? Could it be the only answer that means anything Could it be one of Michael's songs that helps reflect on the profound truths we've heard? And this is just the halfway point in this session. We're getting ready in the studio for our next guest, singer-songwriter Wes King, a conversation that will focus on what we've been studying. We're so glad when listeners share their comments with us. Could you help get the word out about this program by posting a review of this podcast on iTunes? You'll find the links to us at michaelcard.com. Extend the impact of the teaching you've heard from Michael Check out his weekly blog posts, books, music, and conferences at michaelcard.com. In just a moment, our good friend Wes King performs and catches up with us in the studio with Michael Card. Next week, join us for a classic in the studio with Michael Card. The commentary segment will come from a study on slavery in the New Testament. Joining Michael will be the late Dr. Ben Johnson. Dr. Johnson will bring the perspective of the African-American experience to the topic as we look at Colossians chapter 3. In the second half, we'll focus on children. Michael will perform several songs from his lullaby projects. Gather with us, watch for the post, and share the podcast link at michaelcard.com. Mike, part of the richness of our weekly podcast is the people that come by the studio. Yep, and and the ability to reach back through the years yes. and reconnect with yes. uh, brothers. Yeah, it's been a while since Wes King has been here, so oh. welcome back, Wes. How long? It's been a long time, yeah. and I am glad to be here. Welcome yeah. back. What kept you, you away so long? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Michael and I had a fight. Oh, and, I see. Uh, well, you know, yeah, I, I made fun of his head. Details. I want details. <laughs> Bald head. <laughs> no, I, I had a little thing called cancer back in '04, and yeah, it kept kinda, you busy for yeah, a while. It kept me a yeah. little busy. Yeah, you were a lot of our prayers all those all those years. I of, sure do appreciate yeah. it. struggling through that. But everything did, okay, everything okay? If I didn't believe in prayer before, I sure do now. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm 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 great. I'm cancer free. Um, mm. Not to bore you with the details, but. There's different kinds of cancer. I found out. I had no idea. Michael, you're an expert Ma- on Michael, cancer. Michael now. knows this now too. But um, I, um, I had the kind of cancer that um, either kills you or you kill it. Hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, the life, the lifespan, the average lifespan of anybody that had Burkitt's lymphoma is two weeks. Because wow. it doubles in size every 24 hours. You're so a we, walking miracle. We caught it. Thank God, my hmm. former neighbor was a was a, a, a surgeon. And I was with you. In the hospital, wasn't I? Yes, when you were. When you got the word. Yep. We were sitting together. You sure together. were. Yep. Yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. that. That was, um, um, man, what a what a crazy, yeah. 
Crazy. Well, we want to get fully caught up with you, Wes. Yeah. Good I'm, to see you back in the studio thanks. again. Yeah. Uh, Michael, we cannot have Wes here without asking him to sing, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to ask you to sing a song. Do you want to set this one up for us? Well, this is a song I wrote uh, a little bit after cancer. And, uh, you know, my my life kind of went from touring and writing songs and making records to be- mainly being a dad. And uh, although I was in a bed a lot, I read a lot to the boys and I ran across a poem. And I can't remember if it was a a book or a poem by G.K. Chesterton. He he talked oh, about... Love Chesterton. Yeah, he's one of my favorite writers. And uh, he, 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 he used the phrase walls of a playground so that the good things can run wild. Mm. Christianity builds walls. Yes, they're walls, but they're walls of a playground. And so, mm. um, you know, as I, as I was thinking about raising my boys, I'm like, yeah, you can't do this. And yes, I'm putting these parameters up, but it's for your good so mm. that within these walls, you can go crazy. And... Mm. Um, and it's kind of a fight. It's, it's, it's from, it was for boys, so I made it, you know, kind of, you know, like a, a fight song. So it's uh, called Walls of a Playground. Wes King in the studio. Keep your conscience In the fortress of your youth Where the bricks and the mortar are beauty and order Where the walls are made true Where the sound of children's laughter fills the halls Build them high, round parts in the sky Never let the chaos cast you down Build them strong the right from wrong Cause these are walls of a playground Oh, build that child So goodness can run a while On the playground Learn to lose and learn to win How to stand How to crawl how to land, how to fall, and how to get back up again. These walls are strong, but we must hold the line. Build them high, round parts in the sky. Never let the chaos cast you down. Build them strong, free the right from wrong. Cause these are walls of a playground Oh, build the child so good this can run wild Yeah, build them high Around parts in the sky Never let the chaos cast you down Build them strong Free the right from wrong Cause these are walls of a playground Oh, build that child These are walls of a playground Oh, build that child So goodness can run wild Now that is a song you want to play for your boys. Yeah, that's for that's for the guys. Yeah, it's a guy yeah. song, not a girly song. No. No. lots yeah. of energy there. It's yes. a fight song. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. good yeah. for you. Good for you. Yeah, and I've got another one that I wrote, uh, and it and it and it says uh, it's like that. It's you know, uh-huh. and it says, uh, "Well, a man has to wrestle with the weeds and the devils in the gardens east of Eden, uh, in the desert with his sin." Uh, he's a poet and a scholar, uh, a lover and a fighter. He's a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, must you know? He's got You got to be the hero of your story. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, I, uh, I, I've I've written a lot of little songs for them. You know. And then I've got one called George, G E O R G E spells George because he couldn't spell his name early on. George Kitten. Uh huh. And uh, you know, G E O R G E spells George. <laughs> spells George. <laughs> George means slay of dragons. Fight the good fight. Hero and farmer. 
George wears his name like a coat of armor. His name is him, and he is his name. <laughs> you know. He, and how do you respond to it? He like, loves it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, he did. And so, like, all his, he's in high school now, and his friends still sing that song to him. G E O R G E. So you don't think it's cool Spells now? George. Oh, they, they actually oh, do, because okay, they kind of grew up good. with it. And, good. Well, yeah. that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so bring us up to date on the rest of the family. Everybody doing okay? My twins, Harrison and Mitch, are um, uh, about to be are they soft? No, they're about to be juniors. Oh. They would be seniors right now, but we took a gap year, um, their senior year. After, mm-hmm. after all I'd been through, it was like the first time I could travel. Yeah. Um, and so we decided, let's go These see some places. Twin boys. The twin boys and George, who's uh, about to be a sophomore. In high school. Goes fast, and, uh, doesn't it? It, uh, boy, it you flies. Blink. Yeah, you blink. And uh, so Harrison and Mitch are doing well. Harrison uh, and Mitch are uh, both in the music programs. Mitch is, he got into the songwriting program, and guess who he's, one of his professors is? Who? Cindy Morgan. Wow. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the coolest? Wow. So she, she's like, Wes, I've, I think I've got your one of your boys in my in my class, and I was so excited about that. And so, and it, it, it's uh, the the songwriters program. I, I was surprised it's it's not easy to get into. So I was really proud of him for getting into it. Mm. Harrison is in the vocal performance or commercial voice or something like that. I think mm-hmm. that's what they call it. And he's doing great. Uh, that's another kind of hard thing he had to kind of scrap to get into. And so they're 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 doing good. well. Good. Yeah. I bet good. there's a lot of competition and for yeah. anything in the music program. Yeah, yeah, there is. So, so good for them. Yeah, I'm proud of them. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. proud of them. We were calculating the two of you were on the road together, touring together twenty years ago. At least twenty years ago. I don't know. Ago. Does that really matter? Well does it really matter? <laughs> no. no it was, I think it was two, right? <laughs> two just take a zero like off. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna We yeah, we went to we went to England together, we did, right? We England, Ireland. Yeah. Uh, Heinemann, remember Heinemann? Oh yeah, good old yeah. Heinemann. Stories, boys. I want stories. Yeah. Oh, we got stories. <laughs> well, I just, I just know I, I, I could never understand anything he said. Yeah. And he would like <laughs> hose me all the time. <laughs> oh, look at you, we're gurning you with lamps. <laughs> I was like, gurning my what? What does gurning mean? What are lamps? <laughs> crying your eyes out. In other words. Yeah, he was great. Huh. Well, we're going to ask you to sing again uh, in a few minutes, Wes. But just tell us what's going on in life. What's what's going on in your? Well, um. I've I've had two failed attempts um, at trying to make a, a West King record. A few years ago, I, I went back with our old friend Phil Nash and uh, recorded about five. We tracked about five songs, and because of uh, kind of the ravages of chemo and uh, high doses, high high doses of steroids, um, I've got a lot of joint problems. So I, I had I was I think it was Easter a few years back, and I heard something go snap hmm. in my right hip and it had been hurting me and I fell down and my wife and, and everybody had to carry me upstairs and anyway they said yeah you got to get a hip replacement so I, did that, it break that or did it come out it, well it's it I don't know I don't know it what I heard but it, I heard something go snap and it hurt it hurt like uh-huh. unbelievable what what I have is necrosis you know Bo Jackson remember Bo mm-hmm. Jackson yeah the had, athlete yeah um the reason he, he was having all those hip problems and things, joint problems was because of steroids. Mm. Because what the steroid uh, does is it, it does a lot of great things, but the bad things uh, when you use them a lot is they kill this. The doctor told me, Michael, you probably know the medical term, but there's like a brake pad in between the ball and the joint. Mm-hmm. And, and the steroids will kill those little, there's little veins in there. And when those die, that brake pad goes away. So when you move your shoulder... You're feeling bone on bone, and after a while, okay. it'll start kind of splintering in there. So oh. it's highly, highly painful. So I've got necrosis in all the joints, um, but I'm just trying to stay, stay moving, and and I just say no. You know, well, you look really healthy. Thank you. I mean, you look looks yeah. better than yeah. you. Other than you other, or I, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Those are, those what are, are you looking at me for? <laughs> those are. I mean, I think what I have are kind of mechanical problems. Uh-huh. I don't, I think I think I think my organs probably did take a beating from all that stuff, sure. but I, but I think I was young enough and healthy enough that I think a lot of that maybe um, has gotten better. But it's just it's joints right now. It's just hmm. I did have they were afraid I had something called arachnoiditis because I had seventeen spinal taps, and sometimes that can cause that's unbelievable. Some, yeah, it, oh. it, it's it, it was it, it was uh, 
ghoulish what, and, yeah. what I had to go through. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I think we're going to look back on the cancer treatment, and it'll be like we look back on bleeding. People yeah. used to bleed people. Probably. You know, probably. Think, why did we do that to people? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to almost kill you well, yeah. to kill the cancer. Well, that you know, I, t- I told my doctor, I was like, yeah. I said, I was at death's door. He goes, oh, no, no, you weren't at death's door. I said, I was at death's door like five, five or six times. He goes, no. He said, you had one foot in death through the door, door, and the other one was on a banana peel. But it's the best, it's the best we got, right? And you're here. It is. You're here. I'm here. And, uh, you know, they, what, I think what they're doing now is like what they had to hit me with, with a shotgun. It's just like, okay, you know, stand behind it, you know, put, put this up in front of you. We're going to hit shoot you with a shotgun. You're just going to get blasted all over and hopefully we'll, we'll hit it. I think they're getting a lot more pinpointed yeah. now. They're, yeah, getting, they're, so. they're figuring out how Proton to do that. Proton and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt there's someone listening to this conversation right now who's in the thick of what you went through yeah. or something very similar. Yeah, I, You I, are I get, uniquely qualified now to speak into their lives. So what would you say? Well, I'll tell you this. My When I was going through this, first they told me um, uh, I went to – I won't tell you where I went because I don't want to give the hospital a bad name because it's a great hospital. But I went there and my wife said, no, you're not staying here. But the doctor – looked at my scan, and he said, you've got liver cancer. You've got about six months to live. That was the first diagnosis, and, and I just, you know, couldn't believe it. And, and my, you know, not knowing anything about cancer, I was like, well, I'm not doing chemo. I mean, I just let me die. Well, I mean, what, so you mean I'm going to have six months of suffering so that my hair falls? Just let me yeah. die. Give me three months. And, yeah. But it turns out they, they cut me open, and um, uh, my doctor uh, was named Richard Gear. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, but he's he he was like the hotshot doctor at the time, and yeah. I think he teaches now or something. But you know, they found three tumors. They found um, uh, one the size of a grapefruit in my colon, one the size of a tennis ball in my small intestine, and one the size of a golf ball in my stomach. They left the stomach one in, and that's where the eight rounds of chemo's chemo came uh, for that one. And, um, and they cut the other ones out. They cut the other ones out. I still got. I got a scar all the way up mm. here. And, oh my gosh! I and I had to go. I, I had. I mean, cut me open like that, and I'm. I wake up and you feel like, oh my gosh, my guts are gonna fill. Mm. So, and I was leaking stomach fluid mm. um, on my first round of chemo. And so they this this chemo that that you get is the it's the it's the most intense that you that you can take. And I literally almost died. I went into septic shock. I felt myself dying after the, I, I came wow. home. And I was like, man, I'm feeling myself. My body was kind of bowing up and stiffening up. And, um, and of course, it was on the weekend. You, you, you don't want to start dying on the weekend, let me tell you, because the good doctors are gone. You wanna, if you're going to die, die Monday through Friday ah. um, or, or almost die. But, um, but as I was, you know, when I got the news that, I, you know, I could, I could survive this, um, if I could survive the chemo, I could survive it. And, um, and sure enough, literally five times I almost, I almost died in, you know, in the ER. Um, but I, as I was going through this, I knew this was going to be the fight for my life. And so I called my brother-in-law who, ironically, um, they, they used to live in Texas. I, uh, they've moved around a little bit. He's, he's ahead of a hospital, I think, in New Mexico now, maybe. But he was a, a brilliant uh, pediatrician, uh, pediatric oncologist, and uh, the the kind of disease I had is a children's disease, mm-hmm. mainly children, but mainly children in Africa get it. It's very rare. Mm. And um, and I said, I said, John, um, I need some advice. What do I do? Um, I mean, how am I gonna get through this? And he said, Well, Wes, he goes, I'll tell you something. He said, I had patients, I had kids that I lost that I shouldn't have lost. He said they had they had things that you know were really something that could be treated and fine. And he said, and I, and I saved kids that are really, that really by all, you know, shouldn't have made, all, yeah. shouldn't have made it. Mm, yeah. And he, he said, here's the difference. The ones that laughed are the ones that lived. Mm. He said, wow. so you be sure and you laugh. Wow. And so, you know, I was like, okay. And so I just didn't let any, you know, like my, my brother one time, my, my, my wife is such a saint. I mean, she just... Michael, you know this. I mean, yeah. she just, she puts things on the doors. Don't say anything bad to him. Don't say anything negative to him. Yeah. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about, <laughs> you know, don't, don't talk about your bad day. Yeah. Just, just build him up, you know. And she protected me so well. And my brother came to see me one time and, um, and he was leaving and he just, and he, you know, obviously, I mean, I look like, I look like a mammal. 
That's about all I could uh-huh. say. I look, I look, I mean, no hair, no eyelashes, no, you know, you have no idea how important your eyelashes are and your eyebrows are because if you don't have, I mean, you can do without hair, but you can't do without eyebrows and eyelashes because everything falls down into your eyes. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm doing this all the time and I can, I can barely see too because the drugs they've got me on. And he, he's leaving and he's just, he, I can see, he just like, it, the, the look on his face, he, it was destroying him seeing mm-hmm. me like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, Mitch, I can't have you do that to me. Mm-hmm. I said, don't ever do that again. Mm-hmm. I said, I need you to make me laugh. Mm-hmm. And so that's when he went home oh. and he, he, start, he started looking up all these songs. I'd say, like, what do you think about this? I'd, say, I'd always, you know, give his advice. And one of the songs I sent him, sent him was, uh, I'd forgotten about it, a song I wrote to the, my, little, my twins when they were just little. And it's called uh, Stop Here. Oh. And uh, so... Uh, that and that and you know funny songs uh, security guard and <laughs> things like that. So, but the message of stop here is well. Um, I, I think for for me at that time in my life, I you know my twins were about two, and I I was kind of trying to go. How do I fo- focus my Michael? Remember, I mean, how much pressure there was on you've got to write another record and. Yeah. You know, you got to tour and you got to, you know, and then when you're home, you got to go do interviews. And how am I going to be a father and, and be in this? It's a calling, it's a ministry, it's a job, it's an occupation, it's an art, it's all these things. And, um, and, I, and I think I came to realize how wrapped up in myself I was. I mean, the, marriage really shows you a lot of that. But then when kids come along, that's when you really realize yeah. how wrapped up in yourself you are. <laughs> And so I just, as I was looking at these boys, I was thinking about all the things that I'd struggled with and all the things that I'd seen my father and his father struggle with. And I just, I just wanted to be the kind of dad that, that preached the gospel and, um, you know, every day and how, how I talked to him and how I spent time with him. And like Michael always says, you know, preach the gospel at all times, if, if necessary, use words. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of the message of the song. Well, Wes, I'm so glad that you agreed to sing that song for us right now as we wrap this up. Stop here. So yeah, and it's good to see you again. Good to see you so healthy. Thanks, Michael. It's yeah. great to see you too. Yeah. You haven't changed a bit. Thank you. Your eyes probably still are. <laughs> <laughs> still, so still some problems with your eyes. Huh? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> All right, Wes King. The song is "Stop Here." I have been alive for all these years Seems it took me till this moment to wake up Well, I have not been asleep, not fully awake Somewhere between denial and a dream Cause I've run from pain And I've hidden from joy But now it's time for me to raise These little boys So let the sins pass down From their fathers Stop here Stop here And may the power of the gospel Set them free Right here Cause when I look into their faces I see the boy I used to be I guess my dad and me Have traded places Well it's hard to understand For such a little man That a father needs approval Like a son Well, you were fast asleep In the middle of a nightmare I crawled in bed beside you To comfort you You opened up your eyes And smiled Like you expected me Yeah 
No more running from my pain No more hiding from joy Cause now it's time for me to raise These little boys Let the sins pass down From their fathers Stop here Oh, right here And may the power of the gospel Set them free Right here Right here Let the sins pass down From their fathers Stop here Right here Blessings of a thousand generations stored right here, right here. So when they look into the little eyes, their boys someday they'll say, I guess my dad and me have traded places. A great thought and song from Wes King here mm. in the studio, and he 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 paid an enormous price mm. to be uniquely qualified yeah. to play that song for us, mm-hmm. and he has not wasted that sorrow, that suffering at all. And I'm proud of him for that. He's a good guy. Mm. And so, what do we come away with uh, from this? I think the whole the purpose of suffering and how it works, and and what we learn from the life of Jesus, and then most especially the cross. And this, this will take us the rest of our lives to understand, Wayne, is that God uses suffering to save the world. Hmm. He uses suffering to save the world. Interesting. Well, the idea about suffering and redemption is woven throughout the Bible, Michael. And you've set a challenge for us to examine the nature of Christ's death in a fallen world. So we'd like to encourage everyone to open the scriptures and explore this topic on your own. And then we hope you'll share what you find or other issues you wrestle with about the nature of God's kindness. Join the conversation with other listeners on Facebook and Twitter when you search for Michael Card. Or use the contact section to share your insights at michaelcard.com. We hope to feature some of what comes on a future broadcast. If you'd like to pass along the link for this podcast to a friend, we're easily found on iTunes, Google Play, or on Spotify. And help us by posting a review. On our website, you'll find the links to our guests, the past program audio archive, and Michael's weekly blog. There's also information about Michael's books, music, and conference ministry, all at michaelcard.com. And join us next week as we open our archives and present a classic broadcast recorded at the Mole End Studio. And now for the whole team, including producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to In the Studio with Michael Card.